Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. As we speak right now, there are thousands of people running from Peter Maritzburg to Durban, suffering, <laughs> suffering. Why are they doing it? Why are they doing it? They're doing it for love. They're doing it for love. I'm partly not understanding and I'm partly jealous. We're in the final week on our sermon series on suffering. We've spoken about hope. We've spoken about endurance. But today, we're going to speak about suffering for love. There are more important things to do than comrades. No disrespect if you're doing it, but obviously you're not here, so you're not. (laughs) Just Lord forgive me, or apologies to those who hear this who are running. But we're going to talk about suffering for the love of, of things more important than running. More important than your own body. So let's pray as we go to the Word. Father, I pray for a strengthening and I pray for a revelation. Lord, I pray for greater love in our hearts, for our neighbors, for those who don't know you. And I pray for a courage and a biblical worldview on suffering for you, on standing up for you, on being willing to step up and step out and face the consequences for you. Just as those three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, faced the fire, may we be willing to suffer for love. In Jesus' name, amen. Our scripture, our key scripture, which you're familiar with is, I've told you these things, so in the world, in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Let's go to the Word. This is a critical juncture in Paul's life. Everything changes from this point in his life. It's a turning point. He is en route to Jerusalem. He's en route to being imprisoned and eventually martyred. We reach Caesarea, not too far from Jerusalem, it's, it's in the broader Israel. We reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven, the seven deacons. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. After we'd been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea, prophets everywhere. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it and said, The Holy Spirit says this, in this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and hand him over to the Gentiles with all the consequences that follow. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem. For the name of our Lord Jesus. 
Why is there suffering? First reason why there's suffering is because of what people do to us. Consciously, unconsciously, deliberately, not deliberately, through neglect, micro level, macro level, what the government does, what your neighbor does, what your family member does. The first reason why we suffer is because of what people do to us, and we've all experienced that to greater or lesser extent. Childhood, teacher, who knows? We've all experienced suffering because of what people do. The second reason why we experience suffering is because of me. Because we score own goals. Okay, we score own goals. We say stupid things. We bring stuff on us and we get fired or we, a relationship gets damaged. or Stuff happens because of what I do, what you do. Okay, the second reason why we suffer is because of, you want to call it sin. Things we do or things we don't do or we should do. Why do we suffer? Because of ourselves, own goals. The third reason why we suffer is because of the nature of this world that we live in. It's imperfect. It's not the way it was originally made. My beautiful late mother passed away prematurely, you might say, from cancer. There's a sin principle in the world, and I don't have time to go into it now, but Accidents and calamities and sickness and disease and floods and natural disasters. These things happen. Call it random if you like, but it's just it's the nature of this world that we live in. But I want to speak to you today about suffering for love. Far higher than my mistakes. Far better than what people have done to me. And far more meaningful than just this world that we live in. 11th of April, 1982, Tony Cavallo was working on his car, 1,500 kilogram Chevy Impala. The jack failed, the thing fell on top of him, knocking him unconscious and started to press upon his chest, literally asphyxiating him. He was going to die. His mother, a grandmother, saw this. She screamed for the, for the neighbor. She screamed for help. Didn't come quickly. Then she came. She ran down to the car. Medical science tells us these things are possible in, in some circumstances. She ran down to the car. And she picked it up. <laughs> she wasn't on steroids. <laughs> she wasn't the Hulk. It's a true story. Angela found strength at the moment of crisis. Angela sacrificed at the moment of need. Angela suffered, her, her ligaments, her muscles were torn afterwards. Love drove her. Love drove her to sacrifice and to suffer. It's true for all of us. If you love, you will sacrifice. And although sometimes it won't even feel like it, you may even suffer because of love. So let's go back to Paul. Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm ready to be bound and ready to die. So, so what's going on in the scripture? Was Agabus a false prophet? 
Was, was that good? No, it turned out to be true. When he went to Jerusalem, he was bound, and he ended up in Rome, and he was imprisoned, and, and he was martyred. So it wasn't false prophecy. Was Paul disobedient? Was he disobedient? Was he ignoring the prophets? No. Acts 19 says, I'm compelled by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. So what was this? The Spirit of God was preparing him for what he was facing. And Paul's value system was such that he didn't view suffering for Jesus, suffering for the gospel, suffering for love as such a calamity. Paul's perspective on what it was and what it is to be a disciple means that you give, you sacrifice, and even if you have to suffer, it's okay. Paul shares this mindset in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says this, for the love of Christ compels me. The love of Christ that he had experienced, the love of Christ that had transformed his life from a hateful sinner, the love of Christ that had come into his heart and had caused him to love other people, to love the so-called unlovely, the love of Christ was compelling him to go and to share. This word compelled, it's a combination of two words, and it's have and union. And it can be also translated as the love of Christ arrests me, takes me captive. Or the love of Christ forces me. Force sounds like such a bad word, but it's talking about the strength of it. Or the love of Christ directs me. The love of Christ compels me. It's really good to love your wife and love your children and love your friends and love your family. But the context here isn't that. It's loving those other ones. If we carry on reading, I'll just read it to you. He says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And he goes on to say, sorry, my laptop's glitching here. He's made us ambassadors as though God was making an appeal through us. There's no plan B. He's not going to send his angels. He uses you and I. And as our hearts become full of the love of Christ, it brings transformation. And we start to love others. And we start to reach out to others. God's love compels us. We all suffer for love. I'll spare you the details of my teenage years and suffering because of girlfriends. We're not talking about that. <laughs> for some of us, the love is... It's just love for ourselves. And so we sacrifice and we suffer because we are studying hard and we are building up a company or building up our bodies. Some people suffer for a wider circle of family and friends and spouse. The question is, will you make space in your heart for the love of Christ to change you and transform you? 
Will you draw a circle around yourself? But will you draw a slightly wider circle around yourself? And allow the love of Christ to compel you to reach out to others. Paul writes this, and I live and I hold on to this. He says this in 2 Corinthians 4. For our light and momentary afflictions. How many of you feel afflictions? Fancy word for sufferings. But he describes him as light and he's been whipped and he's, all kinds of things have happened to him. He says, for our light and momentary afflictions are not worth comparing to the eternal weight of glory. Beyond all comparison. What you are enduring and what you are suffering for Christ. Not because of your foolishness. That suffering is different, okay? But what you're suffering for Christ is not worth comparing to the eternal weight of glory and the reward that is in store for you. He says, so we look not to what is seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporary. But the things that are unseen are eternal. I've got good news and bad news for you. To really stand up for Jesus, to really follow him, you know what it means? It means there will be some taking up your cross. It means there will be some suffering, there will be some persecution. Pastor Cheesy in the previous service, I don't know if he's here, the service, he was basically dismissed from his job because he stood up for Jesus. He suffered. But none of this, none of our sufferings on earth are worth comparing to what God has in store for us as we love and follow him. Jesus, when he proclaimed his kingdom, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, he begins and he declares, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. He's, it's an upside-down kingdom. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. He goes on, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, the reconcilers, for they will see God. Sorry, they will be the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted, here it is, because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now he underscores it, he says it again. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, because of your love for me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It's an upside-down kingdom. Blessed are the poor in spirit, they receive the kingdom. Blessed are those who mourn and lament and cry, because they'll be comforted. Blessed are those who are, hung, who are hungry. So let me go back to what I said earlier. I want to underscore it. Say everyone. Everyone. Find everyone here. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance, persecutions and sufferings. This is him at the end of his life. This is his last book. What kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra? The persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Punchline. In fact, 
Everyone. <laughs> Here it is. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So, either you have been persecuted or you're being persecuted or you will be persecuted. If you are living a godly life. If there's no pressure on you, maybe you're not, maybe there's not much fire. Maybe. I want to tell you about a, a little man who is willing to sacrifice and suffer for Jesus. His name was Telemachus. About AD 300 when Rome was still deciding whether they wanted to become Christian or not. Still persecution on and off across the Roman Empire. Still terrible things were being done by the Romans. And there was this man who lived and loved God out in the wilds. And he heard God say to him, go to Rome and bring the fire of God. So he arrives in Rome and he sees the statues and the grandeur and the pomp and the majesty of Rome. And he didn't know this, but it was the last triumph. Triumph was a special parade that the Romans did when there was a victory. And they'd bring the prisoners of war and then they'd have them slaughtered in the Colosseum, etc. And so this was the last triumph and got swept into the Colosseum, never been there before. And he saw the gladiators stand up before the emperor, saluting. We who are about to die salute you. And he's like trying to figure out what's going on here. And he realized these men were going to fight to the death. And for some of these things, it was just slaughtered. It was just execution with entertainment. And, and, and he just shouted out. He shouted out, in the name of Christ, stop. But the crowd was too loud and nobody heard him. So he climbed over the wall and went down into the Colosseum. Little scrawny figure. And he's shouting out, stop. In the name of Christ, stop. And people at first thought it was entertainment. He's just like a clown, you know. And then they realized that he was being serious and, and they were no longer amused. Started to throw things at him and became belligerent and angry. And he's pleading with the gladiators, in the name of Christ, stop this. One gladiator comes with a sword and runs him through. As he falls to the ground, blood gushing from him, he cries out for the last time, his dying breath, in the name of Christ, stop. Falls to the ground. Crowd goes silent. One man at the back of the Colosseum gets up just in shame and embarrassment and, and disgust. And then another, and then more. And then it's droves. And the Colosseum is cleared. The people leave. And that was the last time. There were gladiatorial games in the Colosseum. One man, compelled by love, Suffered and sacrificed, paid with his life, and brought change. So what should our attitude be towards suffering? In this age of comfort, in this age of standing up for our rights, this is what Paul writes. He says, we glory in our sufferings. That's, that, that's tough. I struggled with this. So if you're struggling, I understand we glory in our sufferings because we know our sufferings produce perseverance. 
and per- perseverance character. And the character we're talking about is Christ-like character. Suffering for righteousness develops perseverance and it transforms us. Who wants to become more like Jesus? Who's nervous about putting up their hand right now? <laughs> and character hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Why? Carry it is again. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Paul writes in Philippians, he says, I, now, I want to know Christ. And everybody says, yes. And the power of his resurrection and the charismatics go wild. And then he says, and share in the fellowship of his sufferings. And then the crowd dissipates. <laughs> becoming like him in his death and it's game over. We are called to be more Christ-like. And we are called to embrace a certain amount of suffering for Christ. The Open Doors, Open Doors is a mission organization. The 2022 report, talking about persecution of Christians, says that it's at its highest level it's ever been, globally. Hostile incidents are up 20%. Since 2014, 360 million Christians have faced persecution in the last five years. 360 million, talking about across the world, restricted nations, nations that are hostile to the gospel. That's 14% of all Christians, our brothers and sisters around the world. And they do it joyfully. They do it joyfully. Peter says the same thing. He says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. I'm trying to fortify you. I'm trying to strengthen you. I'm trying to make you realize that when you stand up for Jesus, there are times when there's just big pushback. Not always. But don't be surprised. And we're going to pray for some of you that are in that fiery trial, that have stood up for Jesus and are in that trial. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. We all want the spirit of glory and God to rest upon us. I pray today you would change your perspective on suffering for Christ. I pray that you would recognize the blessing of standing up for him. And I pray that the spirit of glory and of God would rest upon you. I pray that I and you and we would be like Paul who followed in the footsteps of Jesus and was willing to endure. There's a story told, just a story, it's not in the Bible, of the judgment throne of Christ, that great white throne that we will all face. All the nations are gathered and they put together a delegation and they go, who are you to judge us? Who are you, God, to judge us? We have prepared a document and we're going to read it to you, God. Imagine the arrogance. 
We're going to read it to you. In order for you to judge us, the following needs to be in place. To judge us, you need to walk in our footsteps. You need to be in our shoes. To judge us, you need to have been born in dubious circumstances. There needs to have been questions about your mother's chastity and purity, and, and there needs to be doubts about who your father is. You need to be born of an oppressed, persecuted people, a despised minority. Otherwise, how can you judge us? You need to grow up in an environment that is filled with hate and violence and factions and revolution and crime and, and in, in an oppressive religious environment. You need that if you're going to judge us. And you need to grow up in, in rural poverty. You can't have been born in the city. And you need to suffer the temptations, the most intense temptations of every kind if you're going to judge us. And you need to be physically unattractive because some of us suffered. <laughs> and you need to never have had the joy of marriage and family because otherwise how can you relate? And you need to be homeless. You can't have a home. And you need to be poor. And you need to rely on the charity of other people. And you need to be misunderstood by most people. And you need to be betrayed by your own people. And not just in general. You need to be betrayed by someone who's close to you. Someone who you've loved and helped. And you need to be falsely accused. And you need to experience the worst kind of injustice in the courts multiple times, if you to judge us. And you need to experience soul and psychological and mental anguish so much that you are distressed even unto death, that you sweat blood. And you need to be abandoned by your friends in the darkest hour. And you need to suffer torture and pain of the worst kind. And you need to experience absolute separation from the Father, from God. Because some of us did. And your life needs to be cut short prematurely. And your death needs to be done in the cruelest way. And in it, you also somehow need to experience every illness and every disease. Because we did. And your heart should literally be broken. That water and blood flow out. And, and you need to die for others. People that don't deserve it. And as they finish their demands, Jesus, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, stood up. And they beheld his hands. God himself, who had suffered all these things, who they had rejected, and they were silenced. The ultimate sacrifice for love is Jesus. <laughs> The ultimate sacrifice for love is Jesus who saw you and saw me in us and, and went through all those things. Went through all those things that we might experience life and life in abundance. For God so loved the world that he gave his only beloved son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus sacrificed Jesus suffered because of his love for you. I pray that you'd be willing to do the same. Can we pray together?
if you're here and, and you are going through a suffering for righteousness, we as a family want to support you. We want to pray God's strength upon you. So this is the first prayer that we're going to pray. We're going to pray three prayers. I'll lead you in two. So if that's you, if you are suffering right now because of standing up for what's right, whether it's directly for Jesus or just standing up for what's right in, in some situation, we want to pray for you right now. If that's you, won't you stand? And we're going to pray God's strength upon you. Okay. You are suffering for righteousness. You're suffering for good. Friends, can we be Jesus to our family who's standing? Can we just put our hands on our brothers and sisters who are standing? Just make sure nobody's left alone. Brother over there, just let's pray. Father, we thank you for these men and women that are standing. And we lift them up now. We pray that their strength would not fail. Lord, thank you for their courageous stance, for truth and for justice and for you, Lord God. Whichever way it is that they're standing and whatever way they're suffering, Lord, we pray for them now. You would protect them. You would guard them. You would deliver them, Lord God. You would strengthen and sustain them. And you'd bring them through this. We bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Second prayer. If you've heard this and you're like, I, I need to step up more. <laughs> I need to stand up more. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit that we would be courageous, that we'd be witnesses. If you need more of the Holy Spirit, not just for good feelings, I love the experience of the presence of God, not just for good feelings though, but to be a witness, to be a martyr, to be a saint, to be somebody who stands up for righteousness, to be somebody who's unafraid to speak about Jesus, to speak of the one that you love. If you need more courage, won't you stand now? And we're going to pray. Okay, so you need more, more courage, more strength, more power, more might. We're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. In a fresh way. It might include persecution. It might include persecution. Probably will. Lift up your hands. Lord, as we stand before you, we say thank you, Jesus, for suffering for us. And we pray for power from on high. We pray for strength and conviction and courage to speak truth, to speak life, to speak of your love, to be unafraid. And we pray for endurance, Lord God, to stand up for you, Lord God, and to stand up for what is right. Holy Spirit, come upon us. Give us strength and power. We pray this in Jesus' name.